All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We have a fantastic guest, Vaughn Scott Bear. Did I say that right, Vaughn? Hello. Hey, everybody. How are you doing? <laughs> We're doing good. Uh, Vaughn Scott Bear, he is a uh, local playwright. And uh, an actor as well. Uh, you've been in a couple of um, little short um, short movies, right? I've booked over 250 acting gigs in my career by Yay. now. Yeah. Uh, including lead roles in four independent feature films, none of which went anywhere. Uh, co-starring roles in two television series pilots, neither of which went anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a... Um, yet. Yet. <laughs> and a role in... Uh, uh, BBC U- uh, Channel 4 UK production of The Trailside Killer in which I got to play mm. David Carpenter because I look just like the guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, this face has been good for a lot of villain roles. Mm. Yeah, it's very strange because, I mean, you uh, you know, I don't see as a villain role, although you do bear a good resemblance of, uh, you know who John List is? No. Do you know who John no, List no, is? No. He was a guy who basically annihilated his family. He killed his family. Wow. And um, he was on America's Most Wanted, mm. and uh, he started up another family, and people couldn't find him for like 30, 40 years huh. until they did a facial recognition thing to see right. what he would look like You know, a couple of years later. They did find him. They caught him. He was in jail, and he died. But um, John List, he was a big story. Do, uh, do, are you familiar with the story? No, but I have a funny feeling I'll pet play him someday. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. I think there was a telemovie. But um, but you've been a working actor, and you're a playwright, and you're also a member of the Playwright Center of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. In addition, I have had a few of my screenplays produced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I uh, tend to specialize in those kinds of roles. Uh, I've almost completed the career grand slam of villainy for actors. Mm. <laughs> I've done the serial killer, mad scientist, the mm. traitor, corrupt politician, um, cannibal, werewolf, vampire. I have not played Satan, the number two <laughs> villain. Uh, but I yet. have played the absolute worst, meanest, evilest, awfulest villain of them all. Bad lawyer? I don't know. No, worse, worse than that, worse than Satan. What's that? A wine snob. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we'll get more into uh, to Vaughn's career. But as I start out the podcast uh, each week, how's your week and how is your mom, more importantly? Mom is good. Um, words are coming back. My mom had a stroke. Oh, and, my um, word. You know, they're just at that age where that sort of thing happens. But I wasn't ready for it, so <laughs> I had a little meltdown and and i did limit it to my close friends on facebook i didn't realize how many people i put in that category mm-hmm. um so i got a lot of response and a lot of um and i got a couple of phone calls and a lot of offers of phone calls which mm-hmm. was all nice but then also i'm the oldest of my generation so i sort of had to take on responsibility for getting the word out and you know, there have been a lot of apologies over the last couple of days. You know, oh gosh, because I posted it and I have a niece in law who was like, well, I'm glad somebody called before I saw that posted. I'm like, you know what? It's my mom. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You, you really need to back off. <laughs> you know, people are so, you know, my, my mom gets to be the same way where it's like, look, I'm going to tell you something and don't tell anyone else and blah, blah, blah. And it could be some very serious stuff that people need to know. Right. And. 
what's the big deal? I mean, you know, everyone goes through it. You're not I, going I don't suffering think my mom has gone on Facebook yet, but when she gets on Facebook, I know I'm going to hear about it mm-hmm. because a bunch of people responded. And a bunch of people, mm-hmm. re- legitimately a bunch of my close friends are people who have met my mom. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people expressing concern because they actually know who this is. That's who I was trying to get the word out to. Yeah. But well, she's home. She's fine. She's mm-hmm. recovered. Yeah. Um, oh, that's excellent. I mean, and, and that's also one of the good uses of facebook i think so uh sure you know get the word out uh this is where you need those connections not just your right. your mom but the rest of your family and yourself right yeah. exactly so it was it that was nice um it's been a strange week i'm uh my wife and i every weekend sit down and look at what the next coming weeks are so that we you know my wife is a musician so our schedules can be all over, you know, what, what happened two weeks ago is n- in no way reflective of what's going to happen next week. You know, our world is so just to make sure that we know where we're going mm-hmm. and what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and my next two weeks are pretty empty, except for our auditions. Really, that's that's the that's focus. Right. Auditions for, for Four Men in Paris. Men in Paris. <coughs> um, but I started this week as a sub for a musical theater class. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, um, so we're not going to be focusing on music because <laughs> I, I don't feel qualified to teach mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, I had worked with this teacher last summer. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so, yeah, you got to learn your notes and you got to learn your projection and all those basic yeah, things. Yeah. And you also have to learn how to move and stand on stage while you're singing. Yeah. And well, it's sort of like being a director at a musical. I mean, you know, yeah. you have – your musical director, and then you have your actual director. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's so that was why she was like, I need a couple of days off. So so I started the week doing that. And then mm-hmm. I've done a lot of modeling and with groups that I've been modeling with for a couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and two groups that I've been modeling with for a couple of decades. And it's just a trip. One, they're old. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's always fascinating to me to watch how that. You know, when you meet somebody and you think they're old and now we're 20 years later, they're really old. It's mm-hmm. what I think of as the Betty White syndrome. <coughs> Betty White played old people for, what, 40, 50 years. <laughs> right, right. When I was a kid, I thought Betty White was old. Now yeah. I'm over 50 and Betty White's still alive. I'm like, okay, um, wow, you've been doing this a long time. It's just like Christopher Lloyd. And, uh, and, and she doesn't stuff. look any different. Yeah. Right. Uh, in so many ways, not. I mean, they're brilliant, brilliant people. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, that was a part of my week was just sort of trying to manage all that, mm-hmm. um, pulling it together, dealing with mom. And then last night I went to Livermore Shakes and I saw the importance of being earnest. Gwen Loeb is amazing. Right oh my on. God, she's amazing. Which role does she play? She plays um, the aunt. Um, <laughs> I'm already laughing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Everything was this over-articulated, stretching out these sounds, these syllables. She just <laughs> right. And then on. they're doing it in the round, so it's a real specific acting style, right? And she just, she just doesn't miss a beat. She doesn't miss a breath. Nice. You know, every little tick was something new to that piece of the audience. You know, she starts a sentence talking to one piece of the audience. She finishes over the other side, and mm-hmm. you could see how much the audience is just delighting. When she re-enters at the end of the play, oh, my God, everybody was in heaven before she'd even said anything, mm. just seeing her approach the stage. Wow. So, no, it was amazing. And it's outdoors. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's a wonderful organization. Mm. Um, I got to talk to the artistic director last night, and I was in their first production, which was Love's Labor's Lost, 
16 years ago. Hmm. And um, so we talked about that a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's nice to see how the organization has grown. Mm-hmm. Um, they've really put a foot down in Livermore. And she's now – she's been a part of the Arts Council and all that stuff for a while. She is going to be shepherding um, the process of getting a new performance space wow. in Livermore. Wow. So, you know, Livermore mm-hmm. is looking to her and going, oh, yeah, you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's mm-hmm. she's wonderfully competent. She's wonderfully organized. Mm-hmm. Is she looking for an indoor or outdoor space? Uh, the space is going to be – it's going to have both, so they want to be able to do some outdoor concert stuff. Um, but I asked her if that was going to affect their festival, and she said, mm, the space is downtown, so it's actually bordered by traffic. And she's like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work for what we do. You know, We're better off in the vineyard because there is no traffic. You're so removed from the main road. That your actors, whatever skill level, and that's the other thing. She's also developed the company so that, like, ACT and other graduate programs seem to be aiming their students at her. And she's making the effort to go out and see these students so that she can get the young people for her productions. But she's also grabbing all the vets from the Bay Area and pulling them in. Michael Wayne Rice has been I, – I he's in um, – tonight they're opening, so they're doing – Importance of Being Earnest is not performing tonight. I think its last performance is tomorrow. Um, and then they open Winter's Tale, and he's in that. And he's done like eight productions. This will be his eighth production with them. I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And Alan Coyne is also hey. in it. So I'm I'm loving what she's doing. I'm loving how she's developed it. Mm-hmm. We were talking about it early on, about how to develop it, how to – be a part of the Bay Area scene and yet, mm-hmm. you know, deal with the fact that you're, you know, a good 40 minutes with good traffic. Mm-hmm. You're a good 40 minutes out. Yeah. So. I'm thinking maybe that's the how Livermore persevered because I think I get the sense that being closer to the Bay, you run into the problems of rent, gentrification, and also so many other theater companies competing. You're competing with, yeah. 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 Uh, and with her, no, she gets to reach out to those other organizations and. You know, Walnut Creek is far enough up the road mm-hmm. that they don't feel a threat from her, yeah. but they're happy to organize with her. Uh, she teaches at uh, UOP in Stockton, University of the Pacific in Stockton. Mm-hmm. So she's able to reach out to that community as well, and she seems to have put it together very well. Lisa Tomovich, I would love if we could get her in at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to what extent do you think that um, the theater scene in the Bay Area is either – over competitive and over protective or uh, uh, nurturing and cooperative i don't know that we're any different than any place else and this is a question that we often throw at our guests <laughs> so i'd love to hear your answer on it too. It's, it's fine um yeah. i used to think it was too much and i kinda, i've come to recognize how that's just a dynamic everywhere i mean there are communities like chicago for example that is known for having a certain level of um, cooperative energy um, so that, but that seems to be the exception. Mostly I feel like everybody wants to sit in their own little sandbox and do their thing and they don't want to hear about anybody else or deal with anybody else. Um, more in the city than maybe in the East Bay. I mean, there's definitely a different energy in the East Bay, but you know, everybody's running to the city to work when they can or running down the peninsula to work. You know, you have to go where the work is. Um, I wish the organizations had a better, a more, um, mutual, sense of what their 
audience bases and their community is because mm. the fact is we all live here. <laughs> so you can't just live in your own world, your own bubble. It, and it's funny that you mentioned that uh, keep people going to the city to mm. work because so many theater professionals and film professionals now live in the East Bay. Right. For example, for a couple of years, I served on the board of the Playwright Center of San Francisco, mm-hmm. and we always held our meetings in the East Bay. I oh, was wow. the only San Franciscan mm-hmm. member of the San Francisco Playwright Center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And Which I is, wonder yeah. if uh, potentially the center of gravity might soon shift to the East Bay simply because so many people are living here now. I, I would hope. I would love to see it. Oakland, in particular, yeah. a number of new theaters mm-hmm. opening there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, there's the Temescal <coughs> Arts Center. Right. Flight Deck hosts a number yeah, of right. companies. Yeah. Uh, and there's the brand new one in Berkeley, um, the uh, Waterfront Theater on 4th Street, which I just, I went, so I went there last week after mm-hmm. our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, to sit in on the auditions for Anton's Well. And I walked in. I've been talking to folks about that space before it opened. Before the papers got signed, you know, there were already conversations happening. And, mm-hmm. and I had to assure this woman that if she took the lease, <laughs> she would have no trouble finding organizations looking for space. And so far that seems to be very true. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's also a good thing. I mean, we'll get into current events a little bit later on. But um, – it's both good and bad. I mean, I, I want Oakland to grow, you know, as a theater right. community, and it's already very, you know, there, there's so many wonderful companies mm-hmm. here already. You know, you have the um, Berkeley Rep, you have uh, Central Works. Right. Uh, you have um, uh, the, Aurora. the Aurora. The um, Aurora. Shotgun players. Shotgun, yeah. Ubuntu. Yeah, but uh, you'd hate theater to see, first. You hate to see companies leave San Francisco because people can't afford to live there. Well, I don't know that the companies are. Most of the companies aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's to me. I, I say let San Francisco be mecca. You know, it's this, it's this, the historical role it's played. No reason not to let it continue that role. Mm-hmm. We can just be that easy place to get to by Barton, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that is not that far away. That it's actually easier to get to Oakland than it is to get to the other side of San Francisco from downtown. It is easier to jump on the freeway and get over here than it is to navigate your way out to like San Francisco State, for example. Yeah. Well. It, Funny, because as a uh, San Franciscan, mm-hmm. I would like to see Oakland City proper become an even bigger source for live theater yeah. than it already is. Mm-hmm. I would like to see more of that. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with uh, the theater community expanding and growing right. and drawing newer and bigger audiences. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see Oakland expand. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't think you're going to stop it in the short term anyway. It's, yeah, it's and I think I think it is growing. You know, like there are all sorts of businesses popping up already. Mm-hmm. I'm already seeing construction. There's construction in front of my, you know, um, little area already. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that, you know, there are residences that are popping up, businesses, restaurants. Oh, when Brooklyn Basin opens up, your world is going to change. <laughs> it really is because yeah. this little Embarcadero mm-hmm. is – Kind of quiet down here mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. but when you add in what is it, forty five hundred units, or yeah, yeah that, that's so. at least forty five hundred units of housing mm-hmm. that's going to go in not two blocks from here. Yeah, it's it's going to be a different world. And they would love to be, 
live within walking place of some place for entertainment, right, whether sure. it's music or theater or movies, yeah. mm-hmm. or perhaps an art center you can do all of them. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's exactly well, hopefully, right. I mean, hopefully, Jack, Jack London. I grew up in uh, Claremont, California, a college town, and they kept trying to. They didn't want the modern malls and that sort of thing, so they tried to take over what was the old schoolhouse, that grounds, and turn it into a, a little mall complex. It never really worked because you have to – it has to be a destination. It has to be a thing, place that brings people in. I feel like Jack London Square has tried for so long to be that destination, and it just hasn't quite mm-hmm. gotten there. You know, Maybe with this new community of folks moving in, it will finally Yeah, I jump. think um, I've been here since – for six years. Mm-hmm. I did have to leave a quick sec, but you know, I, I've been here for about six – years and um it's definitely changed there's a different energy that's here i mean mm-hmm. you have the plank you've got other yeah, uh, restaurants the plank is huge. yeah the plank is huge and you have these festivals that you see outside yeah and that's and, huge yeah. yeah and that's huge and I'll, also i was riding um along um lake Merritt, mm-hmm. and there are parks i mean there are parks and there are festivals that happen within the parks. Right. so when these units pop up yeah they, you're absolutely right Vaughn. they want to want to have a place to go mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know what the um, the boards or supervisors think or whatever, but uh, that would be a fantastic place to have, you know, live theater as – it could be as upscale well, as like the – People have tried. Theater yeah. First tried. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Central Works actually was there way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's happened is the landlords at Jack London Square would only let them have a space that they were trying to lease. Mm-hmm. They were trying to find somebody to lease it. Theater company said, well, can we just make a deal with you and we'll just be in. As soon as you get somebody, we're out. And um, it was theater first, moved in, did really well, and it actually started to become a theater destination. And their second season, that there were so many people coming through the space, somebody leased it. <laughs> <laughs> so they got kicked out. Uh, and then they went to downtown Oakland, old Oakland. Yeah. And same thing. They made the same kind of deal with the landlord. They got in and they got so many people going that within two seasons, they got kicked out. The landlord felt a little guilty, so put them in another space. That space, they didn't even make it one season in. Mm. And then they, for a while, were housed with the Oakland School of the Arts. And again... They had – so Oakland School of the Arts um, had a – I think it still has a studio space on the backside of the Fox Theater, mm-hmm. um, which nobody really knew about. Yeah. And they didn't really know how to run. And Theater First made a deal with them, and they came in, and they were trying to manage the space is mm-hmm. what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at first the school was like, oh, yeah. And then after they sort of got everything set up, the school said, well, you know, we actually need that space. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's how it works for for uh, theater artists. We're the ones who get kicked out, right? Yeah. Well, and also do all these, um, you know, you do all these upgrades to make the space a usable space. Oh, and then they kick you out, and they yeah. take advantage of, this, you, of the upgrade. You fix up the bathroom. You fix <laughs> up the lighting. You maybe deal with, you know, if there's some sort of air conditioning or or cooling. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, heating or cooling issues. You start to deal with all that stuff. Sound. You deal yeah. with all these things. Even just making sure that – because you have to do this when you walk into a space. If you walk into a creepy space, that show better be fantastic <laughs> because when you walk back out, if the first thing you know when you walk out is, oh, my God, it's that creepy neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, your show's got to be so good that they get home and forget all about the creepy part. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what the exit has to deal with, you know, every time right. people go to the exit. Yeah. Yeah, and when you walk into the exit, yeah, you immediately feel this sense of, oh, wow, this is a location. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Before we get into current events, I really do hope I'm, I'm so thankful that your mom is doing well and, you know, you're beloved, Norman. So, you know, when you talk mm-hmm. about your, your community, I'm glad that I was part of that community. And, you know, we talked and mm-hmm. I'm glad everything's going great. No, it, it is so helpful to have people check in. And I've been that guy for yep. so many people. You know, yeah. Oh, wow. You're you're you know, your folks are in the hospital. Oh, somebody died. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry. And, you know, and I'm not going to ask, do you need something? Because, of course, you need something. I'm going to go ahead and offer, mm-hmm. you know, I've got time next week if you need it or I've got whatever. Um, and, yeah, most of the time it's like, okay, as things start to settle down, you figure out what you need and you don't need. Having those offers was huge. Mm-hmm. And it lets sure. you know who you, who your friends are and you right. know, who cares and who, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, that, right. that little yeah. cliche Oh, thing. my gosh. So my my dad's <laughs> side of the family, the G's, yeah. um, are all Christian. Yeah. And so suddenly there was this little um, I had an email group message going around. Mm-hmm. Suddenly it was just prayer, prayer, prayer. So prayer. Amen. I like this part of your prayer. Boom. Another prayer. Add that prayer in. Boom. Oh, I liked mm-hmm. your part of this, mm-hmm. you know, this part of your prayer. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add in this. And oh, yes. You know, it just kept going all day. And I was like, OK, I got my prayer in for the year. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm prayed up, y'all. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am overflowing in prayer. I, I kind of like it. I, at first, I wasn't used to it, and I just had to kind of go, wait a minute. Would you rather that everybody just ignored you? No, I'm <laughs> glad yeah. that you are bringing the powers that you use sure. to bear for my sake. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. So current events, I'll just run them down. I'll write them down all Baby this week. Baby Trump! Oh, baby Trump. That's right. There was a uh, great big protest in uh, the United Kingdom, which, Berlin, <laughs> yes. which featured a great big baby Trump, and which I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Trump is upset. But, oh, you know, when you piss off so many people, why would you be f- surprised mm-hmm. that people are going to react? And there is a positive side to this. He mm-hmm. can finally say he drew a big crowd. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> it was huge. To, you know, it to was <laughs> huge. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, we talked about the Trump Supreme Court pick. That was Monday. Mm. Two, I'm, yeah. I'm that one, I am so on the fence about that one. Um, and it's not about him. One, I'm still learning more about who he is, which mm-hmm. I think is important. Mm-hmm. But you cannot rail about somebody who keeps breaking the rules and not, you know, and trying to change the laws and being unconstitutional mm-hmm. and then try to push for your own. Ignore, you know, ignoring of the Constitution. The Constitution says the president nominates. The Constitution says the Senate confirms. You mm-hmm. know, that's what the Constitution says. Now let's talk about this guy in terms of what his qualifications are. Mm-hmm. Well, my favorite, uh, well, favorite in quotes, of mm-hmm. course, uh, decision that he wrote came when he uh, said that a company should not be held responsible when one of its employees gets eaten. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> he was the sole judge to rule this way on a case oh, involving one of the uh, aquatic parks mm-hmm. where an orca had uh, oh I heard about that story. on one of uh, right yeah employees. Now that's important. Let's talk about what he's actually done, what he's actually said. But this whole notion <clears throat> of we can't let Trump have a pick. We have no choice. Yeah, yeah that's Trump right. gets a pick, and that's what the Constitution says. I Sorry. mean, the procedure is procedure, so you know no. you can't fight that. And you know, the Democrats. I'm sure it can be a very like football. You know, us versus them, Yankees versus Red Sox. Right. But procedure is procedure. Obama had the same right. you know uh, procedures as as Trump. 
Yeah. So, well, um, he was he was denied. Yeah. Yes. But that doesn't mean that we're going to now say that's the new rule. That's that was a bad rule. In fact, it would be mm-hmm. nice if there was some punishment that came down about that. Mm-hmm. Well, the, that represents one of the privileges of power. You have a right to hypocrisy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, Mitchell, a good, that's a good way. Mitchell, it. Con- Mitchell Connell claims that we must confirm or or preferably confirm uh, Mr. Kavanaugh as soon as possible. Right. What happened when President Obama nominated Merrick Garland? Right. He sat on That's it. exactly right. right. Yep. They procrastinated. Yeah. And he claimed he can do that. because he yeah. wanted the voters to decide. So that, again, is another legitimate one to me. Yeah, we got an election coming up. What's your rush? Yeah. Why don't you wait until Well, November? just like Neil Gore. Except there are two problems yeah. with that. One yeah. Here, problem number one, the 2008 election. Problem number two, the 2012 election. Mm-hmm. The voters did decide. Right. They wanted a guy named Barack Obama mm-hmm. nominating justices to the Supreme Court right. and the Senate confirming them. Right. So McConnell is absolutely wrong yeah. on this issue. Mm-hmm. And yet now things have changed. He wants them confirmed as soon as possible. Well, right. it's, it reminds me of the Neil Gorsh thing. I forget who the um, – was it when Scalia – no, I don't know if it was Scalia. I forget who it was when – so Obama um, is about to leave office. Right. He wants to nominate someone as fast as possible. I think it was Scalia who died. Yeah. And he yep. wanted to nominate someone immediately. And, of course, Mitch McConnell said sat no. on it and right. said, you know, no, we'll wait, 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 wait. Right. To, in hopes that, you know, Trump will be elected. Right. Surprise to, yeah. to everyone. Trump did get elected. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, that got in uh, Neil Gorsh instead of a Democrat-leaning Supreme right. Court justice. So one, and he says, oh, we'll wait, we'll wait. Now it's like, no, let's hurry up right now. Right. Did you feel surprised when uh, Trump was elected? Because I did not. I thought it was a 50-50 election. I, I, I yeah, I wasn't, I was surprised. I, I didn't want him to win, so I was surprised that he did win. Um, the more they talked about the actual strategies that were being used, the more I was like, okay, this is... Yeah, this is not a surprise. Yeah, you know, for me, I I was surprised, and I told a lot of my friends I had to eat a lot of crow because mm-hmm. uh, I pride myself in presidential history. And I was like, oh, you know, the early results will be, you know, for Trump because, you know, a lot of these smaller red states with a low population, they'll, of course, come in early. Right. But don't worry about it. Hillary will win. Hillary will win. I was quite shocked. I was quite shocked at the amount of people who did not show up for the mm-hmm. polls and how the polls were inaccurate. Um, right. And I thought eight years of Obama, yes, people are upset. And, yes, we do have a you know conservative mm-hmm. you know part of America. But I didn't think that they would be so dominant and so angry that they would elect someone so so abstract, so away from, I don't know, traditional Christian values. I mean, right. you know. When's the last time Trump been into a church and, you know, all the things that the so-called alt-right believes in? So I was quite surprised. But you weren't surprised, Vaughn, huh? Not at all. Okay. I felt that some of the things people thought would sink his his candidacy actually would help him. In particular, the Access Hollywood tape where he bragged about uh, sexual assault on women. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt that we would see a segment of the American population, specifically uh, white males mm-hmm. who would say, yeah, my kind of leader. Right. And they did. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Uh, psychologically, I mean, um, is it the return? You know, like I've been watching a lot of the a lot of the um, the television series like Breaking Bad mm-hmm. and The Shield mm-hmm. and uh, even Mad Men. 
sort of the the motif of the angry white man sort of reclaiming control over his destiny. Right. Do you think that could be a um, I don't know allegorical or you know um, a, a shadowing of what's happening in the country now? Why, as a byproduct of why Trump has gotten elected. I look at it from a slightly different perspective. I consider things well, like Breaking Bad, yes, but also some of the recent action films where you see guys like Bruce Willis and mm-hmm. Liam Neeson, oh, sure. uh, very old white guys right. who can beat the heck out of you know men any, any half guy. their age. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think an age might play a role in this, and you know, the, the producers of such projects thinking, basically f- fantasizing mm. yeah. about, you know, still still got, in, got what it takes to, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be a dominant force. Mm-hmm. Sure. One, mm-hmm. of the, one of the things about the conclusion of Breaking Bad, which I personally consider one of the two or three greatest series in history, mm. uh, consists of how Walter White became the subject of a nationwide manhunt and uh, making, building him up as a, this kind of like uh, ultimate super baddie kind yeah. of guy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of gangster films going all the way back to Scarface do the same thing. Right. And to m- my perspective, it seems like these uh, movies and TV series almost glorify the bad guy well, because it takes yeah. so much to bring the bad guy down at the end. Yeah, 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 yeah I, I do. I do find it fascinating. Yeah. Um, also, oh, did you? Uh, so, Twitter purges fake accounts, and I wrote this down because I didn't know why it was so such big news. Mm-hmm. Why, you know? Okay, you know. Um, What's the big? Because I saw it on uh, CNN and also the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Um, major colleges drop SAT and ACT right. uh, requirements. Yeah, that shocked me. Um, the Justice Department reopens Emmett Till, the Emmett Till case. I didn't hear that directly. I heard some th- reference to Emmett Till, and I was like, "Why are we talking about Emmett Till?" Exactly. I have thoughts about this. I think that the Republican Party wants to give us a little proverbial cracker. And say, here, black folks, we care for you. You know, um, I mean, Emmett Till, in reading about it, there's already, I mean, the individuals who killed Emmett Till have, been, have died a long time ago, I think right. over 20 years ago. And the Justice, I think there was a Justice Department that said, hey, we know who did it. Mm-hmm. They're dead. So, oh, well. But I think it's just a way of the Justice Department to say, well, we've had such bad news. You know, let's give a little bit of good news and let's, you know, drop a little favor to the black folks so that we mm-hmm. can say, hey, we did something nice. That certainly seems possible. Um, I mean, it, it could be more than one factor. Uh, I personally would like to know, mm-hmm. if only in in the sense sure, of no solving the mystery. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's and if there are career people who have been working on this, and the opportunity is finally presented itself to to get some closure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. Uh, House votes vo- is voting. The Democrats put up a bill to abolish ICE. I don't know right. if the bill is ever going to go any- no, anywhere, but uh, I found that to be interesting. That was basically it. The biggest story was uh, the kids, the Thai kids who were rescued after two weeks. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. It's a great story. I didn't know they were Thai until yeah. after they'd been rescued. And mm. somebody, I said, so what were these kids doing over there? And they're like, well, they're Thai kids. Uh, oh, <laughs> How did that become an international story? 
Yeah, well, I mean, just, you know, saving the kids. And I talked about it on the other podcast where imagine being two weeks in a cave mm. and you have limited oxygen. Mm-hmm. Someone who has already tried to save you has died. Right. And you even have Elon Musk <laughs> I know. bringing a, uh, a submarine. They never used it. Yeah, yeah superheroes. I'm not sure he was so super in this case. No, no, no he no, wasn't. He now, but super. <laughs> I mean, a submarine to go through caves. Right. Does he yeah. know how little space there is? Right. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little weird, but you know that's Elon Musk. I'm Go wondering ahead. if somebody would wants to make a game because it seems to me like no, that would be a mm-hmm. great game. You've got this much oxygen, yeah, and you've got to follow this. But they said there were passages where, like, they had people ahead of them and behind them, and then at certain times above and below them, because there were certain passages where if you took a wrong turn, you would go off into a whole different cave system. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the dark, you're gone. And I think it's one of the reasons why it took so so long to uh, to rescue them because they were so far down. They had to find them. Mm-hmm. They had to discover that they were missing. That right. was one thing. Luckily, they had the um, their f- facilities you right. know, outside of the cave, so they knew where they were. They had to find them and then you know strategize how to get them out because I think they were like sixty miles down. Really, uh, like that. sixty miles. Sixty seems that seems a bit much. Well, I, I know it was. Maybe, maybe not 60 miles. Um, I mean, it could, it could, the cave system could have 60 miles yeah. of, of passageways. You know, I think it was 1,000 feet. Okay. I, th- I think that's more accurate. Okay. But I know it took six hours. I did read that. Yeah. Six hours yeah, to reach them. Yeah, no, the first one they said took almost eight, the first little group of boys mm-hmm. getting them out. Yeah. I, yay. And you know, I just love the cartoon that had, um, you know, it showed the detention centers with a big screen TV with the announcement that they were rescuing these boys mm-hmm. <laughs> and all the little kids sitting in cages <laughs> watching. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, I mean, we've talked about this on the last podcast. It's been 60 days since some of these kids on the border right. have been connected to their families. And right. it's still an ongoing – that, now, that is the crisis. You know, Trump yeah. talking about, you know, these immigrants crossing the border, that being a crisis, I, I still – I still have doubts about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, my life is not worried as a black man. Right. Illegal immigrants. I've got a lot more problems going right. on. Well, and rule of law. We keep talking about rule of law. So I'm sorry. The law says you can't do this. You just came up with this arbitrary decision that you want to do zero tolerance. And there are so many laws that you're just flouting by doing that. No. Yeah. I'm glad that there are judges going, no, <laughs> we don't do this in our court system mm-hmm. anywhere else. I'm not doing it in my court. Yeah. Well, if you, um, are someone seeking to flee a really bad situation in mm. your home country and you present yourself at the United States border and say, I request asylum. That's exactly the United right. States has obligations under a, a few international treaties yeah. mm-hmm. to, to treat these folks uh, mm-hmm. humanely. Yeah. Uh, it's a very, very, I mean, the, the, the potential solutions are very complicated because mm-hmm. of a uh, number of contradicting laws uh, situations different types of refugees right. it's a real mess to deal with and uh, I I cannot imagine doing this situation any worse than how already has been yeah mm-hmm. well, I mean yeah I um, excuse me I, I think that um Implementing this zero tolerance policy, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of thought about it, especially right. reuniting the kids. Right. And I think that's why we have the controversy as we have right now. I did want to, before we get into an origin story, 
I saw Sorry to Bother You. I did too. Oh, the car is there now. It's up at the Grand Lake Theater. Is that right? His car with the with the <laughs> rope on the uh, windshield wipers. Ah, it's sitting there. We took pictures of it last <laughs> night. Yeah, I have pictures. Awesome. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll post it. Uh, our good friend Wiley Herman, who was a um, uh, who was a guest on the Yay, he's featured. And sorry to bother you. Did you mm. see him? I'm not sure which character was he. He he didn't have he had it was a non-speaking role, but oh. he had a serious screen time. He was on the phone with the uh, the protagonist. He was on the phone and he was right next to the protagonist. Oh, there's a picture right there. Holy man! No, yeah, that's we'll, a car. Yeah, we'll post it as well. Mm-hmm. But um, the minute I saw him, I was like, "Wow, Wiley!" And I texted him. I was like, "Hey, man, you know, you're in a major film." There's yeah, another picture. Another one, yeah. Yeah. I sorry, like that one better. Sorry yeah. to bother you. On a per screen basis, has done ridiculously well in limited. Yeah, release. It didn't even get mentioned. I heard um, KCBS's, you know, uh, movies that are coming up this year, and it's so funny. They're touting um, their two films that have uh, what's his name, Paul Rudd, in them, uh, Ant Man, and some other film. And she's touting those, and every time she does it, it's like you know she's getting paid. Yeah, to, <laughs> to say good things about Ant Man because she says Ant Man, you know, it's better than the first one. And um, but the film to see with Paul Rudd is this other film. I don't know why they didn't do a bigger release. It's like, well, maybe it's because people like you are so reporting on frigging Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why. Yeah. And they didn't even mention Sorry to Bother You. And what, what a shame. Sorry to Bother You will do very, very well. I, th- I think uh, distributors will have to add it more screens simply because look at the per screen average they're right. killing ant-man and the wasp yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, have, I have issues with the film i think uh you know because it deals with um um assimilation um mm-hmm. you know let's say you have a black man i don't want to talk too much about it because because i think that's it's another podcast yeah. yeah spoilers or whatever i will say tessa uh, the actress tessa thompson i think that's her name she's been yeah. in everything She's in this Marvel Cinematic Universe as uh, Valkyrie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. She's uh, in what Westworld. Uh-huh. Uh, she was in uh, the Natalie Portman flick Annihilation, which was earlier this mm-hmm. year. This, is this, that the, the girlfriend? the black chick. Yeah, the girlfriend. Oh. I have been a fan of Tessa Thompson since an episode of Cold Case oh. over a decade ago uh-huh. entitled Best Friends. This is one of the highest rated Cold Case episodes ever. Mm-hmm. And... Just to warn you guys. She must have been a teenager. uh, Just to warn you guys. First of all, definitely look up this episode Mm -hmm. of Cold Case called Best Friends. And make sure you have some tissues. This one makes me cry. Wow. I feel no shame in saying this. She was wonderful, and I've been a fan of her ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she she's, she's just awesome. She and she's killing it. And she's go, she's just going everywhere. I have no idea who her agent is because mm-hmm. she just keeps on getting these roles. What's well, fantastic? Well, it's she, clearly she knows to make some choices because the film is very much a sort of first mm-hmm. effort, um, and so in that way, it's over the top in sections and yeah. whatever. Um, but then there are all kinds of brilliant things like just. I'm watching for the male gaze shots, which is coming. It's going out of fashion in film. It's kind of amazing. It used to be when a woman and a man would have a conversation and she walked away, we'd get that ass shot. We're not getting that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a number of bedroom scenes. I don't think we. I think we saw her from behind naked at one point, mm-hmm. and that was as much as we saw. Yeah. The rest of the time, there were a number of you know extended scenes yeah. in the bedroom in bed. Yeah, and she's got some kind of top <clears throat> on or something. I was yeah. like. 
I love you people. Yeah. You know, she still looks attractive. Mm-hmm. I still wish I was in bed with her, but <laughs> but you're yeah. not yeah. you know, you're not going for the silly titillation. I, I just I juxtapose it with um it almost bookmarks do the right thing, the Spike Lee flick, because it deals with some of the mm. same issues and the Le- the Rosie Perez character almost oh. plays the Tessa Thompson uh, character as well. Mm. But the cool thing about um this movie, uh, sorry to bother you, there's a scene, I'm not going to spoil it too much, where she does her little artwork where she right. has people throwing things at her while right. she's, you oh, know, that she's was doing brilliant. this performance. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And then immediately the very next scene, he is in a group of white folks. Yes. And <coughs> he's told, hey, give, give us a rap. And he doesn't know how to rap, but he right. embarrasses himself. Right. And I thought... <laughs> It bookends each other because, you know. It, it was brilliant. No, I would definitely exploit, put it. Yeah, she's exploiting herself for all of the right reasons. Right. And he's doing it for all the wrong reasons. Right. Or getting exploited. It, it was kind of wonderful. Movie. I would put it between between that and um, and uh, Get Out. Yeah, that's because right. Because he also is playing with some of those sort of um, horror movie tropes. Yeah. Which are fun. Yeah. Would you mind if I mildly, slightly, somewhat, kind of, sort of disagreed with you, Chelma? No, please, go for it. Sure. Uh, You you spoke of uh, the male gaze disappearing, but you're still getting those bedroom scenes. Right. And to me, a lot of those scenes still seem superfluous. Things happen that could happen elsewhere in other rooms. Right. I, I do like how more women are getting better roles, both mm-hmm. in film and on stage. Mm-hmm. I do feel that we still have a way to go. And oh, absolutely. bedroom scenes are one of those things that yeah. kind of have to get minimized. Yeah, but no, I do understand no what disagree- I No disagreement with you on yeah. that. I, 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 all I'm noticing is what mm-hmm. I'm used to, what I've been trained to see in film, where I'm seeing it less. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, And even in the bedroom scene, I don't see, you know, she's not naked. She does not have a bra on. They're not... And I'm sure the actress has some say-so in it as well. I'm sure she's like, hey, listen, I'm not doing this. Like, I remember Emilia Clark when she did uh, Game of Thrones. She was like, listen, I've, done, I've been naked once. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> so I'm sure actors or actresses are taking more ownership over that. But I understand exactly what you're saying, Vaughn. You know, there's these no, scenes which are just... No, we've got a long just, way to go. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into an origin story. Uh, we have uh, Vaughn... Uh, Scott Blair. Um, how did bear. you get into Bear? Is it Bear? It's Bear. I'm sorry about that. My name is unspellable. <laughs> Both my, I recently had to hire the services of a notary public and gave her my driver's license to copy down. Mm-hmm. She misspelled both my first and last name as she wrote them down from the license. Mm-hmm. How do you misspell Vaughn? V O N N. No, V A U G H N. Oh, oh, yeah. That's or just V O N, or in her case, oh. V I N N. Oh, huh? Vin. Vin. How do you get Vin? How often does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Not as often as Don or John or Juan or Bon <laughs> or Con. When I worked in human resources. You've been Con? I've been called Con. Uh, Lon, uh, Mon, Ron. Uh, yeah. Wow. When I worked in human resources for the city and county of San Francisco, I would get a lot of phone calls from job applicants. Mm-hmm. And I decided I'm not going to bother trying to correct them anymore <laughs> right. because uh, it just wastes too much time, and yeah. they need help right away. So right. Yeah, it's a, uh, I like to speak to Bonds at speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I speak to Don at speaking. <laughs> then it was one morning <laughs> someone called, and they said my name wrong again. And I said, speaking, and the guy said, your name is Bonnie? <laughs> Oh, that one I had to correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny. 
So how did you, did you grow up here in the Bay Area? I'm a retired Navy brat. I can logically claim six different towns and cities as my hometown. Wow. The most logical of which is San Francisco, the last one I moved to. Uh, Age uh, uh 23, I think. Uh, uh Yeah. I've been here for 36 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 36 years. I moved here eight days before the Niners won their first Super Bowl. Wow. Was that 81? I think that's 81, right? uh, January, I moved here January 15th, 1982. They won it on January 23rd. Ah, Mm. wow. But where did you grow up? I mean, where did you spend most of your childhood? Multiple uh, cities. Yeah, okay. Uh, you're yeah. I'm retired and you're traveling. Yeah. And well, even after Dad left the Navy, we still moved around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, let's see. New London, Connecticut, East Haven, New Haven, Hamden, Philadelphia, uh, San Diego. Mm. Uh, I think we spent some time in Seattle when I was extremely young. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I don't remember any of the other places. Yeah. So you were born in New England? I was born in New London, Connecticut, a place of which I have zero memory. Uh-huh, of course. I last saw it in 1980, <laughs> briefly. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. We were on a, f- a ferry, mm-hmm. went past it, and a few minutes was gone. Yeah. How did you um, How did you get involved in theater? Did you start off as acting? I mean, did you do like plays when you were a kid? No, I blundered into acting at the ripe young age of thirty-seven. Wow! Uh, I used to go to a coffee house in the Lower Haight, no longer there, called the Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And one fine day, while sipping on some coffee, I saw this flyer posted on the wall: uh, Zoli's Brain, low budget. Feature film needs production assistance, mm-hmm. uh, long hours, no pay, free food, and I thought that's a good deal. Ah. <laughs> so I volunteered and um, had to kind of reassure people who were young enough to be my children mm-hmm. that it was okay to treat me as their subordinate, mm-hmm. and quickly discovered that I love being on a film set. And especially as a grip. Right. They're the folks who set things up, Mm -hmm. like lights, for example. And I I was there every day, you know, 10, 12 hours a day doing anything they asked. Absolutely loved it. One fine uh, day, we needed one more extra for a scene involving the bad guys. And... I assisted the second assistant director on this. Uh, we were going through tons and tons of headshots, and nobody we liked. Nobody looked mean mm-hmm. or rotten or evil enough. And, mm-hmm. and finally he looks at me, and he gets this really strange look in his eyes. And I'm like, me? And he said, Vaughn, you'd be perfect. You're so naturally mean-looking. Oh. Like, oh. I would never say that, but It hey. was a compliment. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> wow, so the, there you go. So, you know, the, the day came when I was supposed to do my extra work, and they put this T with the masking tape on mm-hmm. the floor, and the director says, okay, Vaughn, when I say action, you walk to that spot on the T. Do not look down on it. Right. Uh, stand there, count to five, don't move your lips, turn around, and walk off. Mm-hmm. So the director uh, said, action. I walked to my spot. Did not look down, mm-hmm. counted to five, did not move my lips, 
turned around, never looked at the camera, and walked off. And the director yells, cut. And everyone behind the camera starts whispering to each other. And I thought, how could I have screwed that up? Mm -hmm. And after a bit of consulting with the camera person, the director turned to me and said, uh, Vaughn, we're going to give you a line. Mm. There you go. And for trivia collectors, my first line in the film was him. Hmm. And we did that bit <clears throat> a couple times. Mm -hmm. After that, uh, the director said, you know, Vaughn, um, we're going to give you another line. <laughs> and then we're going to give you another line. <laughs> yeah. And the director, who was also the screenwriter, mm -hmm. rewrote her own script to give me the biggest role possible. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because that amazing? I'm so naturally mean looking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a wonderful story. Uh, you never know what someone sees. You know, you go into right. – you and I have gone to auditions all the time. Well, uh, all three of us. And we never know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of a sudden, you know, one individual comes in, doesn't even say anything, but it's just natural. And right. you're discovered. So Sometimes for the good, sometimes. Mm -hmm. I once walked into an audition room and the director flinched. Mm -hmm. actually kind of freaked out mm -hmm. and I assumed this meant the end I'm not going to get this role well mm -hmm. I got the role and on the day of the shoot he showed me the um, storyboard mm -hmm. that he had developed for this this is for an uh, internet commercial and the guy he had drawn for the role three months earlier looked exactly like me mm -hmm. wow there you go there you go that's kind of wonderful yeah yep. So, um, how, and I guess, you know, your, did you d begin acting, you know, since then, or did you? Yes, yeah. I, um, I recognize that I got really, really lucky in a lot of ways. I picked up my fourth acting job before I had my second audition. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, after the experience on that feature film, mm -hmm. I took a couple classes, and at the end of the classes, we had this presentation. I did my role, which was something from Afro Food Guard's Playland. Mm -hmm. um, and immediately after I finished, this guy walked up to me, uh, said, I would like you to be in my play. So I did that, and... I was temping at a firm at a time, and one day a woman walked up to me and said, Hey, I hear you're acting in a play. Do you want to be in my short film? Mm -hmm. And then, so, when, so that's how I got my third, and then the fourth one arrived when uh, one of my co stars in the play uh, got me in another play. They needed someone to fill up some small roles. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I recognize that things have gone well for me in a way that. They're not supposed to. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it's people get discovered yeah. in many, many ways. I'm fascinated by your writing because, you know, I've, you, you, we've met, I mean, you know, I've been part of the, um, I've been involved in the Playwright Center for San Francisco at least uh, two times, and I've read a lot of your pieces, and your pieces are really engaging and in-depth, and I've just been really impressed. Um, like, you have a piece um, called uh, We Are All Jews. Uh, that's mm -hmm. a small, I think it's a one-act play, is that right? Uh Slightly less than 10 minutes, in fact. Oh, okay. uh -huh. It's part of a series that I didn't realize I was writing until I realized I had about 11 of these things, mm -hmm. uh, all 10 minutes or less, about 
various members of the righteous among the nations. Mm -hmm. These are non-Jews honored by the state of Israel for their efforts in rescuing Jews during the Holocaust in World mm -hmm. War II. And I found some of their stories very interesting because um, some of the righteous among nations were pretty strange individuals. Yeah. Uh, one gentleman named Varian Fry, one of the few Americans in the Righteous Among Nations, mm -hmm. needed to decide that he was going to rescue as many Jews as he can, and he needed to collect a group of special individuals with specific skills mm -hmm. and developed his own real-life version of the Avengers. Hmm. One of those Avengers was one of France's most notorious gangsters, and uh, uh, Raymond Corot and... Corot was a 21-year-old kid, mm -hmm. already considered the most dangerous gangster in all of Marseille, hmm. whose girlfriend was this 31-year-old American heiress mm. who was doing a little bit of great cradle robbing, you might say. Mm -hmm. And they ended up um, uh, saving hundreds of lives. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a powerful piece. I remember reading it. You also have a piece called Duckwitz, mm -hmm. <coughs> um, which is... <laughs> About, I think it's um, it's Franklin Del Delano Roosevelt, um, or, or, or am I mistaken it for another piece? Uh, that's a different piece. Uh, George Ferdinand Duckwitz was a um, German bureaucrat who mm -hmm. had been a member of the Nazi party. He resigned in 1935, hmm. and, um, but aside, aside from that, he was basically, you know, a, a good German working with the uh, Maritime uh, Company mm -hmm. in Denmark on behalf of Nazi Germany. And, you know, perfectly ordinary guy who uh, one day found out that uh, uh, the Nazis had set a date to begin uh, rounding up and transporting all of Denmark's Jews mm -hmm. to the, the death camps. Mm -hmm. You know, and he... Basically reacted as if that was no big deal, but on his next business trip to Sweden, he casually mentioned to the prime minister, uh, just out of curiosity, if um, some Jewish refugees from Denmark showed up on your shores, would you take them in? And the prime minister said, yeah, sure. So Duckwitz goes back to Denmark, finds a um, uh, Danish politician, and says... Uh, the roundup of Danish Jews will begin on this date. However, Sweden has already told me they'll take as many as you can send to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. With the net result that about 98% of Denmark's Jews escaped the Holocaust. Uh -huh. Wow. Duckwitz was personally responsible for about 90, 95% of the total. But here's where things get interesting. After he performs this truly heroic deed, he does nothing. He just goes back to being the plain, simple bureaucrat that he always had been. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> you know, for a total of ten minutes, uh -huh. this guy was a hero who saved ninety-five percent of Denmark's Jews. Right. And for the rest of his life, he was you know, a bureaucrat. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I think I may have gotten your... Uh, That's cool. Yeah, no, Bureaucra it is cool. Bureaucrats as heroes. I, I, I like that idea. I, yeah. I hope we're living in that era. <laughs> Well, that's right. You know, we need heroes now yeah. uh, with, with what's going on. Every time somebody else mm -hmm. quits or resigns or does whatever, I'm like, um, 
you know they're going to replace you with bad people. Don't <laughs> just, yeah. just hang in there, can you please? It's well, an eternal dilemma. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you stay within the system, you run the risk of becoming part of the system. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm reminded of the uh, the hearings. There are hearings of – I don't – I haven't been following it closely, but um, someone uh, representing the FBI or, uh, you know – Peter Strack, is that his name? I don't know how to pronounce it. It's spelled – Yeah, it's very good. strange spelling. It's like Strzok. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, he's amazing. But basically, I mean, the hearing has become a sort of a yelling match where he's just lambasting the Republican Party. I, I heard some of it, and I loved him. Yeah. I immediately fell in love with him. And when you talk about bureaucracy and the sort of being a part of the bureaucracy or being against it and trying to make a change, well, I guess for 10 minutes he was part of the change, but, you know, he went back to doing Yeah, S-T-R-Z-O-K. How do you pronounce Strzok. that? I don't know. Strzok. Well, uh, he, he uh, really did outsmart the GOP on this one yeah, because no matter what he said in response to their questions, he managed to work it into an attack upon the GOP yeah. mm-hmm. who were he felt were uh, compromising the FBI's work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could not broadcast any of that hearing of anything he said. Right. Without, without the attack on yeah. the GOP. It yeah. turned out Which very poorly for them. Yeah, yeah for the oh, GOP. Oh, yeah, yeah, they look Who are the ones who, so call, who called the meeting, who called the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Now, someone had written a piece, I thought it was you, about the doctor of FDR, um, but that's not you. That must have been someone else. Huh. But you have a theme of focusing on either uh, World War II or the post-Cold War. And um, I've been interested in that. Why is, is, is that? I mean, it's it's wonderfully rich. I mean, we're hearing all of these, you know, untold stories, yeah. which are based on real events. Why just, does it motivate you? Just this week, in fact, I uh, blundered into the story of a woman named Tina Strobos, mm-hmm. who, under her original name of Tineke uh, Bunk, I, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She was Dutch. Uh, Saved about 100 Jews, despite the fact that the Gestapo arrested her eight or nine times Mm -hmm. and interrogated her very harshly. Mm. Uh, Physical beatings were almost always involved. Mm -hmm. And one reason she was able to escape consisted of the fact that uh, somebody, no one knows, or supposedly no one knows who, somebody phoned her in advance with warnings uh, of the next impending raid, meaning mm. almost certainly meaning somebody working in the Gestapo itself. Mm. Right. And uh, it got me wondering, well, how do we know that she didn't know? She was so good at keeping secrets and, frankly, lying mm-hmm. for a good cause that it got me wondering, well, what if she actually did meet this person? Mm-hmm. Mm. So mm-hmm. I developed a 10-minute play based upon that. The... Uh, reason World War II has interested me lies in the fact that uh, so many of the civilians who participated in the resistance in some way had the option of not doing so, had the option of just living their regular lives, not doing anything like the overwhelming majority of people right. under Nazi rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, they did something different, something incredibly risky. Uh, 
at times, and you know, a few of them paid with their lives. Many of them, most of them, actually did not. Mm-hmm. And it got me wondering, well, what's different about these guys? These people seem, these people did something so different. Why? What makes them different? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the interviews, some of them uh, have have given mm-hmm. when they're willing to speak of it at all. Mm-hmm. They always say, well, well, it was just the right thing to do, or, uh, mm. well, I, I, what else could I do? Sure. And the answer is, well, you know, you could have done nothing the same as 99% exactly. of everyone else. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you did something. What makes you different? And you can't find anything. Mm. An, an, entire, mm-hmm. an, entire, That's great. an entire village mm-hmm. in yeah. uh, southeastern France called Le Chambon sur Lignon. Uh, banded together to shelter and hide Jews. And ever since the end of World War II, people have been studying those folks, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what makes them different. They have not found anything. You know, some folks have a conscience, some folks don't. I remember, I think you guys may have heard the story of, it happened in Brooklyn. There was a woman who was raped, and 30 people Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, geez. I Kitty Genovese. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There yeah. you go. I'm old enough that I remember when that story came out. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I remember. It, for me, it's, and I hate to use the term urban legend, but that's how I heard about it first. Mm-hmm. And then I started to find out the details and the facts. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, there was a woman who was raped in an alleyway. Um, she had called, yelled, screamed for help. Um, some people came to their windows. The killer left, mm-hmm. and then the killer came back because no one had really called or did anything or, you know, nothing was happening, and then she got raped again. And I think she was k- killed, mm-hmm. and I think eventually somebody called 911. And, well, uh, it would have been before 911. But I, yeah. mean, I mean, it was someone called the cops yeah. or did yeah. something. But many people did absolutely nothing yeah. at all. And I agree with you, Vaughn. I mean, uh, Hitler needed help. Hitler could not have done all of the things he did if he didn't have the vast majority of the German populace either through fear or through loyalty, to mm-hmm. say, well, okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest thing to... Or to simple acquiescence. Yeah. And that doesn't apply only to the German people, but also applies to the people sure. in the occupied nations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, the record of France in World War II uh, turned out not as good as the French thought of right. a documentary called The Sorrow and the Pity, mm-hmm. which I, I've both seen the documentary and read the screenplay. They're very different, by the way. Oh. Uh, both are worth studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, revealed that uh, you know, most of the French kind of went along. Yeah. yeah, I read a story that there was a French mayor, maybe the mayor of Paris, who sort of went along with Hitler. I mean, was was totally compliant, and I think he was executed. But um, mm-hmm. th- yeah, you had oh. you had many individuals who had to choose, and mm-hmm. it's, it's tough to choose when you have a gun in your face. Right. I mean, I think about the ICE agents now. You know, some ICE agents mm-hmm. you had talked about in Norman last week. Some said, "Hey, I'm not doing this. Right. I quit." Right. We've had people um, more than anything they transfer. Yeah. Most of them are trying to just get out of that. They're like, "This is crazy," <laughs> because they didn't sign up for it. Yeah. But some, unfortunately, are like, "Hey." I've got a job to do. It's a job. And I'm just going to go ahead and do it. One question I want to ask you, Vaughn, your training as far as writing, because, you know, your writing is just, I mean, it's its really, really, and you had a show in Oregon. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, um, 
What was the, what was the name of the game? It was called Thing? Uh, the play is uh, called Things or the Rothko. About mm-hmm. a 40-minute mm-hmm. one-act play <laughs> yeah. uh, about uh, four women, um, two of whom are fighting death sentence cancers. Mm. And they're, they're the two leads. Uh, Gwen and uh, Rachel are first meet on a blind date, which turns out disastrously because Gwen is hetero. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they realize, oh, the person who fixed us up did so because we're both dying of cancer. Mm. And uh, they eventually hit it off and become very close friends. Uh, and the reason the play has the title Things or the Rothko is that they all use the euphemism things to refer to the cancers mm. and Rachel the uh, lesbian is a passionate fan of the works of Mark Rothko and mm-hmm. loves visiting uh, SF Mama just to stand in front of uh, the painting they have there from Rothko and crying mm. wow. wow which people do people right. people frequently cry when they look at the works of Mark Rothko hmm. yeah wow <laughs> as um, for my training yeah. I have very little they're close to non-existent definitely for for screen screenwriting i i know very little in ter- i've very little in terms of actual training mm-hmm. just a little bit of knowledge of player i did i basically learned by doing actually writing plays mm-hmm. i started writing plays mm-hmm. because early on in my career i figured if i wanted a really good role Mm-hmm. I would have to create it for myself. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which yeah. explains why about half of my plays have all <coughs> female casts. <laughs> 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 to slate the advantage your way. <laughs> I, I kind of screwed up there. Yeah. <laughs> On the other hand, I, I can say that every woman who's acted in one of my plays has always wanted to act in another one. Well, oh, that, that's great. a great advantage. That's mm-hmm. a great uh, compliment yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. I was talking with, um, I'm sure you know who Zafran is. Uh, she's one of the playwrights at the uh, Playwright Center. She's participating in. We had a conversation. I was talking about men who write about women and how a lot of men either write, you know, one-dimensional characters or mm-hmm. characters that are just laced with misogyny. And what, what's the rule, the, the rule as far as women in film? Oh, uh, Bechdel test. Yeah, Bechdel, Bechdel test. test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how a lot of um, characters fail the Bechdel test. Well, um, in the case of things or the Rothko, um, the play exceeds the Bechdel test to s- such a great degree that it actually breaks the test. You uh. kind of need to set up a new standard mm-hmm. for it because it, it, it meets Bechdel too, much too easily. Uh, for me, writing about women, I've always operated under the incredibly shocking revolutionary assumption that women are, and brace yourselves for this, gentlemen, human beings. Yep, that's right. And therefore, uh, as human beings, Mm -hmm. you have to create characters as rich as humans themselves. Mm -hmm. So that has never proven any sort of difficulties for me at all. Mm. And I do not understand why so many male writers cannot create good women characters mm-hmm. uh come on guys right. yeah. it's easy mm. although I, I did run into an interesting um conversation with someone who had seen uh, things with rothko in its presentation in alaska mm-hmm. uh, she was in fact one of the cast members she did an excellent job and um 
she confided to me afterwards that uh, she liked the fact that three of the four women characters were gay, and she liked the fact that they were so well drawn, but she still had a complaint. Not one of them was queer. Oh, I thought there was one character that w that was homosexual. Well, three of them are. Okay. But uh, but she f she f she wanted one of those women to be queer. I didn't know there was a difference between homosexual and queer. There is. Okay. Uh, it's. Um, I um. I did not deal with that in the play because I have an obsession with keeping scripts as short as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, anything that doesn't uh, advance the story that needs to be advanced <coughs> tends to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Um, because I, I was very impressed that you know you have a script, you, you know you have a production in in Alaska. As far as you thinking about your craft as a business, how do you go about networking or getting your stuff? I mean, it's easy to, I guess, well, it's artistically you can write a play, you can create something on paper, but then networking and getting your pieces produced, that's a whole different talent. Uh, how, how have you been able to handle that? Poorly. <laughs> I, well, uh, not, not that poorly. I, um I can do a lot better. I uh, know very little about networking, about marketing. Mm. Uh, again, this probably has something to do with the fact that I've had so little training mm -hmm. in playwriting. If I had a formal education in theater, uh, this would have probably come up sooner or later. Maybe. So I... Uh, write and write and write and send stuff off and send stuff off and have an astronomically high rate of rejections. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I guess the the one thing I do right is that I'm just too dang bullheaded and stupid to quit. Well, well and I think also putting it out there because that's I know a few writers who aren't great about getting their stuff out there. They don't like that sense of rejection. And I understand that. I hate the sense of rejection. But the fact is, if you're going to new places, you're going to be rejected most of the time. That's what happens with new places. You just have to, you know, mm -hmm. if you can't figure out a way to navigate around that, then you just sit home with a shelf full of scripts that gather dust and nobody's ever read. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you found a home in the Playwright Center. Mm -hmm. uh, t can you talk about, uh, I guess, you know, the Playwright Center? I wanted to come back. Yeah. yeah I no, come, no, I want to come back to that I, uh, with the first question you asked. Yeah. Um, I wonder, uh, from your perspective, where the Playwright Center fits in that, that universe of, and I'll say some specific places, but you may have some other places to reference, um, as opposed to the um, Playwrights Foundation or as opposed to something like Playground. Um, where does the Playwright Center sit? Playwright Center of San Francisco uh, has become the place where I develop the plays and get feedback on how to improve them. Mm -hmm. I like to bring uh, scripts to the Playwright Center Sea Nights, which are in a very early state of development. If mm -hmm. I try to write something and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite it and then bring it to a scene night, uh, they will find lots of problems, which is great because mm -hmm. they, f they find stuff that needs to be fixed 
I get rid of it, the play gets improved. But when I bring a, a script at an extremely early stage of direct development, such as uh, We Are All Jews here, mm -hmm. that was literally a first draft I had finished that oh, okay. day. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what happens is they, 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 they find things that are wrong with it, and uh, I can get to the all-important part of revising mm -hmm. and uh, imp improve the script that much sooner. Uh, in connection with Playground and uh, the Playwrights Foundation, uh, honestly, I don't know much about the Playwrights Foundation. They have never accepted one of my scripts. I've never had a chance to work with them. Mm -hmm. uh, Playground, I did try to sign up with them once and create stuff. I ran into a ton of uh, schedule conflicts with my acting jobs and had to withdraw from them. Mm -hmm. But those are more uh, sources for the advanced development or even the premiere of of your work. Mm -hmm. The Playwright Center is the beginning step. Oh, it, is okay. the found, it has become the foundation for me on which I uh, build my scripts and uh, improve them a lot faster than if I just tried <coughs> to rewrite them myself. Would you say that, therefore, it's more of a resource for local writers because I know the foundation prides itself on getting national and even international submissions yeah. um, playground is definitely its own animal <laughs> <laughs> a good animal it's uh, fun I, I'm happy I work with them and I'm happy yeah. to be working with them but I'm always curious to see hear about it from the writer's perspective because I can't imagine getting that theme and within you know a few days needing to crank something out yeah. and then having that thrown in the mix and maybe it rises or maybe it doesn't someday i would love to work with playground for that precise reason unfortunately the one time i did briefly join uh suddenly i got a lot of phone calls for acting jobs and mm -hmm. the, ske the schedule just went crazy i had to withdraw mm -hmm. uh but someday someday i'll work with playground yeah. The, Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, the little the little time that I've worked with with the Playwright Center, it seems like there's a eclectic group, and I've been a part of other eclectic group of playwrights that they, um, you know, you work on a particular thing. Let's say you have an assignment, you write it, and then next week people sort of read it, a table read, usually not with actors, and people sort of go into the constructive criticism. And there are tons of groups that that are out there. Um, what's interesting about the Playwright Center. One, you have a space, you have actually have a stage, and you have a slew of actors, some directors who are also actors as well. well where is it housed now? Uh, the Sh uh, Shelton Theater, right? Oh, that's right. Yes, uh, we did talk about this, yeah. The uh, Playwright Center does most of the stage readings as well as the uh, PCSF playoffs, which are coming up starting next uh, that's right. start, be start Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they do most of their work there. The C-Nights take place at 42nd Street Moon oh, rehearsal okay. space, right. which is right next to on City Van Hall yeah. mm -hmm. on Van Ness. And, uh, well, that's where we discussed, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that's where you read uh, uh, We Are All Jews here. That's mm -hmm. right, that's right. And um, I would, getting back to your question about it, is, yeah. is the Playwright Center San Francisco more suitable for local playwrights? I would say yes if you... Uh, Define local as meaning the entire Bay Area. Yes, we region. do. We right. do get people from as far away as uh, San Jose uh, bringing mm -hmm. material to see nights and having mm -hmm. them read. It, it uh, 
it does serve as the um hmm, looking for a good metaphor and it's not mm. there yet mm-hmm. this is where this is where you give birth mm-hmm. to your script there's mm-hmm. a long process of you know of um teaching them how to you know use knife and fork you know <laughs> go to grade school and yeah. high, junior high high school college graduation mm-hmm. and send them off into the world uh the playwright center of san francisco is where the script begins mm-hmm. and and the cool thing about it the uh and we'll be talking about the uh the 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 sh- the what, what we're doing tomorrow which is the uh the showcase yep you have a venue where you can actually do the showcase and you can actually present your stuff to an audience. And um, now how is that business model? I mean, if, if you've been particip- – I'm, I'm thinking about the past showcases. Have you gotten a good audience uh, in? Um, have you received a lot of revenue? I'm wondering about the business aspect of it. The Playwright Center has done well good. Uh, with that. They do uh, bring in um, – enough funds that it does help significantly with uh, their other productions, especially with the uh, fall productions at the Exit Theater mm-hmm. where uh, eight or nine ten-minute plays will get their official world premieres. Oh, uh-huh. oh. The Playwright Center has done much more in the way of uh, fully stage productions mm-hmm. than in the past. It's become... Uh, terrific resource for developing your work and actually getting those all-important world premieres where you can develop your resume Mm -hmm. and get a reputation. So there is a culture in Bay Area theater of folks looking for these new pieces and interested in taking them to that next stage of getting them out in front of an audience. I would say that that has always been the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Playwright Center has become a part of that um, growth process mm-hmm. in the past uh, decade or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's fantastic. And it's a great yeah, it's a great venue for actors. Mm-hmm. Also directors like uh, Sean Jay. I don't know if you know who Sean Jay uh, yeah. is. He, di- he directed uh, the Arnolfini portrait, mm-hmm. which was my contribution to last year's playoffs mm-hmm. and did an excellent job. Um, yep. That, w- that was the kind of play that's done properly will leave an audience feeling devastated even crying and <laughs> wow the time i watched i did hear a few sniffles yeah, yeah. so you have sean thank jay. you sean jay yeah mm. also radical rao she's involved and uh, david yeah. stein he's submitted a piece i, I hey, you know hey. we, had, we had him on as a guest yeah. for the i had no idea he was a writer he was writing mm-hmm. yeah Radica, i think he mentioned it but yeah yeah radica has acted in in uh, some of my plays mm-hmm. uh she will direct Duckwitz for the um, reading on the twenty second. Yep, and I yep. cannot wait to work with her. I haven't I haven't worked with her in the capacity of being the playwright and her the director. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to get 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 involved with her on this. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fantastic, and uh, she'll be directing me. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a fantastic venue if you're a young actor and you want to get involved in. Uh, a production, and um, you want to build up your resume. That this is a great place for it. Mm-hmm. Also, budding directors and uh, also playwrights. Yeah. So the Playwright Center of San Francisco, and we have a showcase um, tomorrow, next Sunday, and the Sunday after next. We are well, well yeah, way over the hour, <laughs> but we've had fun. Um, uh, shout outs. What, what have we got? Birthdays. 
Um, well, I'd already talked about Livermore Shakes, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm happy to, to report on that. Um, get back, get back. Birthdays, birthdays, birthdays. I have a few. Yeah, uh, please. Boy. Today marks the anniversary of the birthday of Ingmar Bergman. Oh. So everyone go out and celebrate by playing games of chess right. with death. <laughs> also, Aren't we tom always? <laughs> uh, tomorrow is the anniversary of the birth of Rembrandt. Ooh, wow. Legendary painter. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it is also the anniversary of the death of Anton Chekhov. Oh, wow. Well, right. that's huge, though. Yeah. That's, yeah. We, um, Amy Resnick, local uh, amazing actress. Arwen Anderson, also amazing local actress. Uh, those birthdays are today. Vicky Roselle, who I just met, um, works with Stagebridge, works in a lot of um, organizations around the Bay Area. Um, she loves to be behind the scenes, she said. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's why I haven't seen you. Um, Michael J. Wong, actor. Joanna Martin is a director, local director. Alicia Ehrlich. I got to do one of those, um, what do they call them, the student, uh, not student, uh, the uh, standardized patient things with her that was oh that's yeah. how we met yeah. that was it was such a bizarre thing Jaxie boyd um birthday is tomorrow she was cool. Bay Area for, yeah forever now she's in la seems to be doing very well i like her uh, mario gonzalez is an actor in uh new york right now and writer uh, steve savage who when i first moved to the bay area was the photographer and he still is working at it but my first headshots in the bay area were from him uh, gosh, there's lots of folks. Natasha Young is down in L.A. Um, I always mess up her name. Marisa Wanless runs uh, the uh, Utopia Theater Company. Her birthday's coming up. Tommy Shepard. We didn't have that many birthdays last year. Jeez, I can't believe all the birthdays coming up. Um, Vicky Zerbarte is a North Bay actress. Mm. Fantastic actress. Um, Tim Araneta is an amazing comedian and... I imagine he has been with the, um, I think he's with the Chabot um, Space and Science Center doing outreach for them. And I, I always felt like, you know, everybody needs a job, but I felt like the stage, you know, he cut down on his time on stage. Mm -hmm. and that was a shame. Stanley Spenger, who runs the, um, oh gosh, what are they called? Subterranean Shakespeare. Mm. <coughs> Those are my birthdays for the week. What have you got? And I have um, Anna Yoham. Uh, we know her because she read for Ellen when we did one of the, uh, oh. the table reads for mm -hmm. Foreman in Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, her birthday is today. Also, a high school friend of mine who we were in the theater department together, Don um, Don Mormon. Her official name is Don Mormon Navarez McCormick. But <laughs> Don Mormon was just a fierce, fierce, fierce actress. Uh, really took the stage. Um, she's, she doesn't do theater anymore, and I wish that she would just come back on. Um, but she was uh, an, an incredible presence. Mm -hmm. Her birthday's today. Um, on Friday, Lizette Souza. I'm trying to remember where I've acted with her. Um, I can't remember, but she's a Bay Area actress. Mm -hmm. Also, Caroline Clay. Now, I don't think that she's related to me, although I don't know. Uh, there's no immediate relation, but she is a actress in Washington, D.C. She was a mentor of mine when I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts. She was an upperclassman. And I remember uh, she just grilling me when I did my monologues. You know, she was like, no, 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 no. Get get on your objectives and, you know, focus, focus, focus. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for that. And she's doing really, really well. And I think she's acted with Arena Stage and she's acted in a lot of the big houses in Washington, D.C. So those are the folks that I have. Yeah. Uh, happy birthday to all of them. Happy birthday to all of them. What about upcoming productions? Yeah, yeah we're about to get into that see? right now. Okay. 
Um, Universal, Robots is still running. One more day tonight. Yeah, that's oh. right. Tonight, tonight sold is it. out. Hey, that's great. They they've sold out their last week. Uh, mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough to attend yesterday. Now they had sold out, but they did let they people wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I was literally the last person they were able to fit into the uh, theater. That's yeah. great. Yeah, it, was good. It, was, it was a very good show overall. Michael and um, Lowell yeah. is in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, straight white men at the um, Marin Theater Company. Um, looks like they're finishing up, too. <laughs> yeah, Two Mile Hollow um, by Ferocious Lotus. That's fishing, finishing up today as well. Mm. Uh, I have a couple you can look yeah. forward to. Yep, yep. First, Three Girls Theater has a festival coming up very soon. Uh, Fool's Furies uh, oh. annual festival has just started this week. Mm-hmm. And I also look forward to uh, 448 Psychosis by the late oh, Sarah right. Kane. Yeah, um, Anton's Well. I, uh, uh, next weekend, right? I think, I think it think starts it. next weekend. Yeah. And, um, well, I mentioned the PCSF Playoffs, uh, the 10-minute play festival, the Playwrights Center for San Francisco. So I'll be in that. That'll be tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, and then the Sunday after next. Uh, that'll be fantastic. That'll be at the Shelton Theater, 533 Sutton Street, and we'll have a link to that. Um, I mentioned Two Mile Hollow. That closes up today. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, tomorrow. Avenue Q, the Coastal Rep Theater oh, Company. Right. We were talking to Danny Martin. We talked about that. They begin actually July 27th, ending August 26th, so you have time for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Universal Robots, so we've talked about that. That closes today. And White. Oh, at Shotgun Players. At Shotgun right. Players. Yeah. Uh, well, Persetti also um, should mention just because it's um, it's getting nice notices. Richard the Third, uh, the African American. Ah, that's Shakespeare right, the African American Shakespeare Theater. Yeah, yeah Peter Callender. Yeah, um, and he's done the role before. So yeah, I remember walking under the Montgomery. I was at the Montgomery Bart, and I see this great big banner mm-hmm. of Richard the Third. So they are really, really promoting it. Yeah. So yeah. big money. Bond, I've, liked, I've liked uh, Mr. Callender's work for a long time. In fact, so long. That when we first met, I realized that he had acted in the very early adventure computer game Obsidian. Wow. Oh. Yeah. And oh. I, when I mentioned that to him, I kind of shocked him. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Vaughn, did you have a good time? I did have a good time. Did you have a good time? Of course. What about you, Norman? <laughs> no, did you have a good time? We were happy to have you. Happy to have you. Thank you very much for having me. I really you. appreciate your perspective. Yeah. Well, thank you Absolutely. very much. Absolutely. And it's been great working with you and getting your work. I mean, I think you are a really, really fantastic writer. Yeah, yeah. You've done good work on, on my scripts, too. So, like, you know, it would be kind of neat if you got into Dogwoods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. So, let me close it up. Uh, you can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on, on the upper right-hand side, and you can find the Yay. Uh, for Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com, and you can search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, uh, you'll find Norman on Hoosier Hoosier on, uh, Twitter, yeah. on Twitter, and you'll find me, Reg.Clay. Vaughn, do you have a uh, Twitter or a Facebook Our website? website? Uh, I do uh, have a WordPress blog that I will revive oh, yes. soon. Yeah. I do not do Twitter because, uh, wow, careers can get destroyed real Man, fast. Right, just the wrong <laughs> thing and bam. Well, yeah. not that you're going to do any dick pics or anything like that. I doubt mm, that. No, it, it's no. Just Roseanne. The, the wrong. Well, saying, but, you know, I don't expect you to say anything, you know, 
how things you work. never know. You yeah. never know. Yeah. yeah. And besides, I mean, I mean, if you look at Twitter. It seems like well, the only good stuff there is you know, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, uh, Amber <laughs> Heard, uh, Mr. <laughs> Amber Heard. Uh, you know, it's like right. There's not. And aside from that, what else is there? Yeah, I, I, I totally hear you. In any case, um, if you have a show you want to advertise, uh, just hit us up. Look us up on Facebook or any of the other accounts, and uh, we will take it from there. And we've got to find a better, better sign-off. Sign and we are out. <laughs>